If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as I read uh, the, the, the main portion of our passage today is 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. We're going to be in that a lot, but I'm also going to be flipping around 1 Peter. So you can, you can go with me when I go to those places, um, or you can stay here. But this is the main passage, 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 18. I want you to listen for how, uh, how you suffer can actually Please, God, can actually be pleasing in the sight of God. First Peter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good masters and the gentle masters, but also to the unjust masters. For this is a gracious thing. This is the thing that grace enables. This is a this is a gift from God when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if what credit do you deserve if When you sin and are beaten for sinning and you endure that kind of beating. But if when you do good and suffer for doing good and you endure suffering there, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For, listen, to this you have been called. To this kind of unjust suffering. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example. So that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled. He did not revile in return. When he suffered. He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Christ suffered for you, Christian. And part of the reason he did was so that you might follow in his steps whenever you suffer. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The title of the sermon is When You're in Trouble. When you're in trouble. And I want to start by telling you about a time where a buddy of mine was in trouble. I was in seminary. Kelly and I were taking part in this surprise birthday party. Um, we're all waiting to yell surprise. And one of my friends thought... 
we should turn up the surprise factor. And so he didn't wait with us in the living room. He went to the kitchen and got a kitchen knife and held it like this, placed himself in front of a candle so that the first thing the birthday boy was going to see was a killer in his house. <laughs> I was like in my 20s. So let me just say to those of you who are even younger than that, this is not a good idea. Don't be doing this. I don't know that the birthday boy even heard us say surprise. Uh, we heard him though. <laughs> and, uh, when he walked in and he saw that image, he yelled, oh my goodness. Now some of y'all would have said something different. But then, um, that kind of ends the good part of how he reacted because then he ran away and he left his wife like at the front porch, <laughs> right? You know, just to face that trouble on her own. Now, this guy, he's a great guy. Um, and the poor guy, he was just looking for a blessed birthday. And instead... He got trouble. And that trouble tested him. He didn't do too well <laughs> in the test. You know, we're all, I, I think, you know, even outside our birthdays, we're looking for a blessing. We're looking for good things in life and I want to I want to pass on something to you that I learned that day. Um, as I experienced that after I got finished being embarrassed for my buddy, um, I thought, you know what? When you're in trouble, Ryan, the truth is going to come out of you as well. The Bible says, if you're going to follow. The one who the world killed. You don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble's going to come looking for you. And Peter says, Your troubles will test your trust. Now we've, we've come right to the middle of his letter, but at the beginning of his letter, I want you to hear this straight out of Peter's mouth. First Peter one, verse six. After talking about how great our hope for heaven is, he says in verse six, in this hope for heaven you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? Verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are facing fiery trials to test the genuineness of your faith. Or the way that I put it, your troubles will test your trust. 
So in, in a community where it's hard to sort out the real Christians from the fake ones. Well, they're going to get sorted in times of trouble. That's when saving trust comes out. Or it doesn't. When you're in trouble, one thing that will come out of you, that comes out of everybody, is questions. Why? Why is this happening to me? How long will this be happening to me? And, and those questions, they're not necessarily bad. I, I'm just saying from First Peter, there are some questions that are better. And those questions are where, what, and who. Where, and I'll actually put who second, and, and what. Where, who, and what. When you're in trouble, those are the questions you need to answer if you're going to pass the test. Point number one, when you're in trouble, where do you turn? Where do you turn? Now, before I go any farther, let me clarify what I mean when I say in trouble, when you're in trouble. I don't mean when you get in trouble because of your own wrongs and faults. The, the example we're given in chapter 2, verse 18, is, is the, 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 the trouble that comes to a servant when his, when his, when his master is harsh. Verse 20 makes it really clear. We're not talking about the kind of trouble you face because of your sin. It's because when you're doing good that this kind of trouble comes in. Peter is talking about trouble you don't deserve. That's why he calls it unjust. And it's not just the servant master example. If you look in chapter 3 verse 1, look there it says likewise. So he's giving another example. And there, it's the trouble a godly woman endures in a marriage to a godless man. They're varied, these troubles. That's what he said in chapter 1. They're varied. He didn't give an exhaustive list of these kinds of troubles. But in chapter 3, verse 16, he, he gives another example. It's the kind of trouble that comes to a Christian... Because they're being faithful to the Lord, but they're being made fun of by those who don't trust the Lord. It's even in chapter 4 and verse 4, the kind of trouble of when you lose relationships because of your relationship with Christ. Very troubles that he described in verse one, in chapter 1 as being necessary in order to test whether your trust is genuine. Now I need to. I need to stop and say. Look I've probably lost some of you. Because some of you walked in here. Thinking. That God. His priority is your happiness. Now I'm talking about necessary troubles. He's there testing. Whether you trust him. 
Listen, God's priority is not your happiness. God's priority is his glory. And you trusting him in the midst of your troubles makes him look the way he really is, which is glorious. The Lord loves to be trusted. And he deserves to be trusted. One more thing before we keep going. I know that for some of you, trouble is not theoretical. Like, some of you are not waiting for trouble. You're in trouble now. And it's not because of your sin. It's, the, it's because of the sin of other people, maybe even the people you have loved well. And I want you to know, God has not lost control of this thing. He has not lost sight of you. What First Peter tells you, and I hope this is comforting, that this trouble actually comes to you through him. And because of that, you can be confident he's going to use it. And he's going to use it for your good. And for some of you, this idea of being in trouble is something you're just waiting for in the future. It's going to come. The question is, where do you turn? Where will you turn in trouble? The most common place that people turn when trouble comes is toward ease. Their own form of escape. From the hard. And many people have different things. Some, some people look to ice cream. Some people look to shopping. Some people will even shop for a new spouse. Or better friends. We're all tempted to turn toward ease. But can, can you just see that that trusting in that kind of pleasure, pleasing yourself, making things easier on you, is a failure to trust the Lord? It's looking away from Him to something else? But that's not the only way you can fail to pass the test in trouble. You, you can also fail by turning toward disobedience. And we all know how common it is to lash out in our anger because we're stressed by the trouble. Or we look to something to make us feel good because someone else is making us feel so bad. And even we even look to the things that God says is actually never good for us. And friends, I want to I want to plead with you when you're in trouble, don't go looking for more. Disobedience doubles your trouble. Because when you're in trouble, 
and you disobey the Lord, you're inviting now his discipline on top of the trouble. Where do you turn? Where should you turn? Well, look at what it says about Jesus in chapter 2 and verse 20. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. When you do good and suffer for that and you actually endure the suffering by not turning to the wrong things, but instead, it says in verse 21, you were called to that kind of suffering, the unjust kind, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22 He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. So, trouble's coming. If you're not in it now, we're guaranteed it's coming. And when it comes, remember how undeserving. Jesus was of trouble. And Peter, when he says, I, uh, God left you an example in, in the steps of Jesus so that you would follow him. And, and then he says he committed no sin. Which means he deserved not one ounce or moment of trouble. Can you, in trouble, say that's not you? Even when this kind of trouble is not what you deserve, you know you deserve trouble. The first question we have to answer is, where do I turn? Where am I going to turn now? And you're going to have to, with God's help, stop what would come naturally to you. And, And God says what you should instead do is intentionally track the steps of Jesus. If you're not going to fail the trouble test of who you're going to trust, this is what you're going to do. Step one, verse 22, he committed no sin. Don't sin. Step two, verse 22, I want to stay innocent even after I haven't sinned to bring this on. I'm not going to lie in any way to make this easier on myself. Left foot, verse 23, when he was reviled, when I'm being reviled, what I'm not going to do is return reviling. I'm not going to revile them. Right foot, when he suffered, He did not threaten. I'm not going to make any kind of threats. I'm not going to say anything to them that threatens loss to them. Threatens any kind of payback. Beloved, the Lord loves to be trusted. Know that. He loves to be trusted. When in trouble, turn right away to this example of Jesus. Like what I'm saying is once the trouble hits, immediately open First Peter chapter 2 and follow him. To pass the test in trouble, we have to answer where, 
But we also have to answer who. Point number two is when in trouble, who do you trust? Now, a few weeks ago, I was seeing all these recommendations to watch this movie called Interstellar. Maybe you've seen it. Some of you people told me to do it. And I believed you. I trusted you. Uh, I watched this thing. And I started crying. Because there's this guy who abandons his daughter, Fran Hathaway. And I just thought, that ain't worth it. What are you doing? I watched this thing through tears. And then I had to walk into my daughter's room. They're all asleep. And I just stood there crying. Thinking, I'm never going to abandon you. That's what I learned from this. Well, that's not really the story. But the, the real story is like Earth has, the, the resources in Earth are depleted. And so they're looking for this new home planet. And one of the main factors they're looking for in a new home planet is, is how habitable is this new place in comparison to its gravitational pull. And how that compares to Earth. So you kept saying stuff like this planet has 80% gravitational pull compared to what we're used to. Or this planet has 200% of the Earth's gravity. They, they, they seem to believe that they could not flourish if the gravity pulled them down too strongly. Our planet has a spiritual gravity. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. Just like the actual gravity that's keeping you all seated right now, you, I mean, you don't, we don't have to argue about it. You're, you're not flying in the air right now. There's also a spiritual gravity that is just as real, whether you think it's true or not. And that spiritual gravity pulls our trust down. It pulls our trust away from God and toward ourselves. And you, 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 just, you just need to know this. When you're in trouble, that gravitational pull multiplies. Troubles. Test trust. And it is twice as hard to trust God in trouble because it's twice as hard to lift our eyes away from ourselves in troubles. When you're in trouble, you and I will both default to a faithless, pre-Christian, I'm on my own, survival of the fittest kind of trust. Where, where we all naturally, you just, if you don't believe me, you just, you've not, you're, you're not paying any attention to yourself. You have no self-awareness. Let me tell you, this is what happens when trouble comes. I've got to get myself out of this. I've got to do it. 
may not be thinking about God at all in trouble. What can I do to hurt them who is hurting me? What can I do to stop them troubling me? Because I can't be in this trouble. Notice what Jesus does in trouble. Notice what he was doing instead of turning to sin or turning to self or turning to, you know, going on the offensive or going on the defensive. And instead of all that, notice what it says in verse 23. It's in the word, but you see that he didn't do this. He didn't do this. He didn't do this. But what did he do? He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus's life was full of trouble. Peter could have chosen any of the troubles to lay before us to say follow in his steps. But what he chose was the worst trouble that Jesus faced. That's what he's talking about in First Peter chapter 2. It's the trouble of the cross. These are the people who are hating him on his way to the cross. That's when he's not sinning. That's when he's not making any threats. That's, that who he, that's who he's not reviling in return. Sinful men who were killing the Son of God. And, and not only that, the trouble of the cross included not just sinful men killing the Son of God, but the Holy God, his own Father, sacrificing Jesus so that he might save sinful men. I wonder if you understand what verse 23 is saying, because this is so important for when you're in trouble. Jesus could die unjustly. Because of him who judges justly. You get it? Jesus says, I can do that. I can die unjustly. Why? Because of him who judges justly. When Jesus was hated, he didn't have to hate. That's why he didn't do it. Because he trusted God is going to judge him. I don't have to. It's free to be hated. When they lashed him, when they beat him, when he suffered, pack into that that word suffered, when they lashed him, when they beat him, when they put the nails in his hands and feet, when they stripped him down and hug him in the middle uh, of the worst criminals, when, when they mocked him, when Jesus endured the excruciating trouble of the cross. He didn't have to threaten them. He didn't have to. He was free not to. Why is it that you and I threaten people when we're in trouble? It's to stop them from troubling us. So make these threats. You're going to get it. If you don't stop, I'm going to do this. If you don't stop, so-and-so else is going to do this. You just want them to stop. You say make these threats. Half the time, they're empty threats. We're just bluffing. 
Jesus wouldn't have to bluff. They'd be real threats. He wouldn't even have to say the threat. He would just destroy them. And he, he didn't do it. Because he knew he didn't have to. He knew he didn't have to stop them. Because he trusted God would handle them. I hope this is, set, this is setting through. All of us are in a different situation than Jesus was. All of us are still living. What I'm saying is, we're like we're still trying to endure, our, endure the, the trouble. Jesus could let those wicked men kill him and end his life because he trusted God was going to give to Jesus justice and give to them justice. And so he just says, I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm not going to sin against the judge. I'm not going to turn back from the cross, this trouble that he has brought me. He can take care of them after I die. I can die with them acting like this because he's going to take care of them. And the just judge knows that I don't deserve this. He can raise me from the dead. So therefore I can die. Who do you trust? Well, you're going to really find out in trouble. How can you not hate the person troubling you? And instead follow Jesus and sacrifice you so that they might be blessed. How can you do that? You can do it if you trust God does not let the guilty go unpunished. So you don't have to. How can you resist the temptation to sin against God in your trouble and not excuse it just because you're under all that stress? You can do that if you really believe. You see how this is the test of trust. If you really believe, he's not judging anyone on a curve. He's not making any excuses for those who are in trouble. He is going to compare me to the sinless trust of Jesus. Jesus did it so that we would follow him, follow him. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's the phrase. If you turn toward the end of your book, in 1 Peter 4, verse 19, look at the same language. After he's bringing this to a close, he says, Therefore, if you are suffering right now, Understand it is according to God's will. He has willed it. What should you do? You should entrust your soul to a faithful creator. You should do what Jesus did. While doing good. Listen. When you're in trouble, convince yourself God has not left your troubles in your hands. He keeps them. They're in His hands. You can't take it away. 
All you can do is double your trouble. That's what will happen if you try to fix it. Entrust yourself to him. He is a faithful creator, all-powerful. Leave your trouble in his hands. You leave it that way, so you're free to obey him. That's what he says to do. Stop trying to fix your troubles. Busy yourself with obedience. Now I need to get back to my seat soon. But there's still a question. You're going to have to answer in trouble. And I want you to pass the test. And that question is, what do you think about? When you're in trouble, point number three, what do you think about? I'm telling you, this is maybe the most important question. Y'all know, I hope, if God's given you any self-awareness, then you've learned what it is you will normally think about when you're in trouble, and that is you. In trouble, gravity works different. It's 200% of that pull toward you in comparison to what you're used to. When you get in trouble, it's going to pull your thoughts down to you. Pull your thoughts down to these circumstances of this trouble. Pull your your thoughts down to the person who wronged you. Why do they do this? Why are they so like this? Why did And all that leads to, all that leads to is more trouble. I'm telling you, anxiety, depression, worse. How can you pass the test? Well, It's right there in black and white. Verse 19. This is a gracious thing. This is a sign of those who've been given grace by God to pass the test. When mindful of God. When one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly because they are mindful of God. God. That's the trick. That is the essential ingredient and the recipe of passing this test. Mind filled with God. What do you think about? Well, did Jesus do that? How did he pass his ultimate test of trouble? With a mind full of God. Instead of doing all those wrong things. What did he do? He continued entrusting himself to him. Mind. Full of him. And so he's thinking about specific things about him. He's a judge. 
That's who he is. He thinks about what God will do. That's what his mind is full of. He's a judge who judges justly. And then he's able to then pass the test. Now listen. I've been pastoring a while now. Some of y'all may think of me as young, and I bless your heart. I appreciate that so much. Um, but I've had years, years, watching people pass the test of trouble and also fail the test of trouble. There is a common denominator of people who fail the trouble test. When they're in trouble, they isolate. And we get that. And the pain can be really great. And the discouragement. All the thoughts. No one understands. No one cares. So isolate. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor right now. Appealing to you. The problem with isolation. Is you get left alone with you. And your thoughts. And the crushing pressures of gravity. And trouble will cram your mind so full of you. There is no room for God. What has the power to nullify trouble gravity? What has the power to lift your trust away from you? Jesus told us. It is thinking about the character of God. And the guarantees of God. What he's saying is the trouble test is passed or failed in the mind. And if you want God in your mind, you got to get in his word. Did y'all hear me? If you want God in your mind, you've got to get in his word. That's where he is. And you better get around people who have passed the test. And if you're in this church, this is one of the great blessings of being in this church. There are people around us here who pass the test. And if you're, I want to tell you, if you're in trouble right now and you don't know who that is, you come to me because I'll, t- I'll point them out for you because you need to be around them. But let me also say it's better to wait or not to wait until trouble comes to do that. It's, listen, it's easier For our minds to stay full of God. Than to start being filled with God. Once trouble comes. That's what Jesus. He he stayed doing. He continued doing. 
he wasn't going to start doing something else. He kept doing what he had always done, which is think about God. It's a good thing you're here. Because preaching is one of the best ways to fill, to empty you of you and to fill you with God. Not only should you entrust yourself to God in trouble because he judges justly. But this passage and the rest of the book goes on to tell us more about what we can be thinking about God. That the Son of God in verse 24 bore our sins in his body on the tree. In other words, think about this when you're in trouble. That Jesus Christ endured the trouble of God's wrath so that you never have to. There is the greatest trouble out there you'll never face if you are in Christ. Can you entrust yourself to him? I'll wait for the answer. Can you entrust yourself to him? In trouble, be mindful. Be mindful, verse 24, that Jesus' wounds on the cross actually healed the sickness of our souls. Which means that Jesus not only delivered us from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin. So that he says, you can be righteous. He did this so that you would die to sin and live to righteousness. That means you can be righteous. It may seem impossible to you. But when you are wronged, you can actually do what's right. Because of the cross. Can you entrust yourself to a God like that? Can you entrust yourself? To a God like that. This is running long guys. I'll start over. I'm trying to help you here. Because trouble's coming. And you're going to need to be mindful. That your trouble when it comes. That it can actually get worse. And you're going to need to remember verse 25 in your mind that Jesus is the shepherd and overseer of your soul. That he died for you, but he's, he also was raised for you. He's not dead anymore. And he is shepherding and overseeing our souls. Here's the deal. You're going to fail the test and so am I. But Jesus sees you. And he will never lose you. Can you entrust your soul to him? Amen. Be mindful. Of what it says in chapter 5. And verse 6. That God is mighty. And so in trouble you need to humble yourself under his mighty hand. In other words, he can handle your trouble. Don't don't be sinning against him in your trouble, but also be mindful of verse seven of chapter five. Cast all your anxieties on him because he really does care for you. Not only can he handle your trouble, he can handle your future. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be afraid about how this is going to get worse tomorrow or even later. He'll hear your pleas. He'll answer your pleas. Trust him. Can you let go of your need to change your trouble and entrust your soul to God? 
Oh, man. You guys are so close. I hope you're helped. I'm discouraged. Um, but I hope you're helped. Let me talk now to those who aren't the people of faith. Maybe they'll hear me better. If you're here and you're not following Christ, I, I don't assume that this sermon has helped you change your mind about him. I want you to understand very clearly Jesus is a trouble magnet. Because this is a world of hate. If you attach yourself to him. You're going to have trouble. But you're going to have him as well. Really, you can't avoid trouble. You can't. It's better to have trouble with Jesus than to have trouble with Jesus. Like after this life, you don't want trouble with him. So turn from your sins and follow him all the way. Well, I hope, and this may be just a foolish hope, that you've been a help today. Um, that Peter has answered some of your questions for when you're in trouble. I mean, we go to First Peter to, to learn why it is that we're in trouble. It, it, it is so that your troubles will test your trust. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, and we've learned... Where to turn when we're in trouble. And that, that is, that is to the steps of Jesus. And, and, and we've learned who to trust and, and what to think about. And that's God alone. But some of you are still asking another question. Really that every troubled believer always asks. And that is, how long? Because Peter answers that question, I don't want to leave before answering it. Listen for his answer in chapter 5 in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, Strengthen and establish you. A little while. That's how long. A little while sometimes lasts a lifetime. It did for Jesus. It did for Peter. It may for you. But Jesus and Peter would tell us all. A lifetime of trouble will feel really little once God himself brings you to his eternal glory. So the last question I'll ask you. Will you trust him in trouble? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. It is a light unto our path. 
God, guard everyone here from the foolishness of seeking a life that has no trouble. It just does not exist. Help us all to understand what what is the worst trouble. And God, above all, would you get from us what you deserve in our undeserved troubles. And that is the trust of an all-knowing, all-good, all-redeeming God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.